0: What a sweet presence of the Lord to celebrate Mother's Day with. I think he likes mothers. What about you? Um, Before we get into the message, we do want to take a minute and honor the mothers in the room. And like Pastor Michael said, we're handing out a little gift. And it's actually this mirror that says something lovely about women that I can't read without my glasses on. Something about being a reflection. Okay, you can read it on your way out the door. But women, every time you look in this mirror... It's small enough to carry in your purse, and we all need a mirror. I want you to say, every time you look in this mirror, I am beautiful. You know, there are a lot of women who don't think they're beautiful. Insecurities and different things in life have held them back from believing what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that His dwelling place is beautiful, and guess what? You're His dwelling place. And you are beautiful because you're a reflection of him. So that is what we're giving you today. And um, we just want to take a minute. I found these slides uh, on the Internet over the last several months, and I just thought they represented Mother's Day well. I feel like this often. (laughs) Waiting for my kids to clean them. How many moms? Anyone can relate? Okay, what's the next one? Cleaning the house with toddlers in it is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) Your children, while they clean their room, 1% cleaning, 30% complaining, 69% playing with stuff they just found. You know, we recently did this when my husband was in Israel. We kind of cleaned everything out, moved everything, dusted behind everything, but my kids found a movie they watched when they were like five and six years old. The Rescue Heroes. Who remembers the Rescue Heroes movie? They watched the whole thing. They're like, "Oh my!" They were looking forward to it. They found it. They were talking about it. Yeah, they playing with stuff they just found. Okay, next one. Ask not what your mother can do for you, but what you can do for your mother. Kids, this is for you. This is what Mother's Day is all about, and um, this is it. Moms often start the day feeling like Mary Bobbins and end the day feeling like Cruella DeVille. Anyone can relate. My friend Patsy told me one time, she goes, I knew when I was pregnant with my my first child that I was just going to be that mother. I was never going to raise my voice. I was always going to keep my calm. I was never going to be Cruella DeVille. Yeah, she goes, that didn't last very long. I don't think it lasted six months. Is there one more? There isn't? Hmm. Okay. Um, I had found one. I must not have sent it to Barb, but um, it said sometimes... Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God is not what you do, but who you raise. And so, moms, your job is very important to put the word in them. Like even the Apostle Paul said about Timothy, your mom and your grandma have put this faith in you. And look at what Timothy did. He made an amazing contribution to the kingdom of God because his mom raised him right. So, moms, we appreciate you. We value you. We're going to just take a few more minutes and watch a quick video.
1: Just give me one second. Thank you. Sorry. Uh huh. Hey. Hi. Two minutes. Thank you. Hi. Good afternoon. Sorry about that.
2: Hi, nice to meet
1: you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews uh, over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job. It's sort of probably the most important job. Uh, The title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are... Are really quite extensive. Uh, First category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, Uh, constantly on your feet, constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. Uh, uh, okay.
2: That's a lot. For how many, like, For how many hours?
1: Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available.
2: Is is that even legal? Oh, yeah,
1: of course, yeah.
2: Okay, so like no lunch? You can have
1: lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch.
2: Uh... I think that's a little intense. No. no, not possible. That's crazy.
1: Now this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skill. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's and holidays, the workload is going to go up and we demand that with, with a happy disposition.
2: Ah, that's almost cruel. (laughs) That's almost uh, a very, very sick, twisted joke. But
1: when there's time to sleep or? Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right.
2: 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane.
1: The meaningful connections that you make and the, the feeling that you get from really helping your associate are immeasurable. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me?
2: no. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. Completely for free. <laughs> no!
1: What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: <laughs> Aww! <laughs>
1: And they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Oh, my God. Moms are the best.
2: Yeah, there's no pay. They're 24 hours. They're always there.
1: Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, and what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything.
2: Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So, Mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome.
0: She's awesome. Okay, who needs a tissue? (laughs) So we just want to honor moms today. And we know that this day can be bittersweet as with any holiday. Because some of us may have just lost our mom. And even if we didn't just lose our mom, you know, your mom... It could have been 25, 30 years ago and your mom still is in your heart. Or maybe you've lost a child. Or maybe you haven't been able to become a mom and you've wanted to. This day can be so bittersweet. But today's a day that we remember moms, that we honor moms, we think about our moms. Some of us maybe don't have the best relationship with our moms. But I just want you to know that we've prayed for you this week. We rejoice with those who rejoice, we mourn with those who mourn, we comfort those who need comfort in, and we pray for those who need prayer, and we just trust that no matter what today looks like for you, that he will walk with you through the whole day. He'll bring comfort, he'll bring joy, he'll bring peace, he'll bring encouragement, and he'll just, just be with us and walk us through, amen, amen. So happy, happy Mother's Day. And... um. We're just going to share the word for a few minutes, is that okay? Uh, I was going to do just this amazing mom message, but the Lord led my heart in a different direction, and it will have something about moms in there, a couple different moms actually. But it's really for all of us, so men, you don't get to turn your brain off today, you still have to listen to, okay? (laughs) But the title of my message today is Don't Count Yourself Out. Don't count yourself out. I'm going to start by reading just kind of a a conglomeration of different scriptures, and I want to start with Psalm 139, 1 through 18. It says, O Eternal One, you have explored my heart and know exactly who I am. You even know the small details, like when I take a seat and when I stand up again. Even when I am far away, you know what I'm thinking. You observe my wanderings and my sleeping, my waking and my dreaming. And you know everything I do in more detail than even I know. You know what I'm going to say long before I say it. It is true, eternal one, that you know everything and everyone. You have surrounded me on every side, behind me and before me. And you have placed your hand gently on my shoulder. It is the most amazing feeling to know how deeply you know me inside and out. The realization of it is so great that I cannot comprehend it. Can I go anywhere apart from your spirit? Is there anywhere I can go to escape your watchful presence? If I go up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the realm of the dead, you are there. If I ride on the wings of morning, if I make my home in the most isolated part of the ocean, even there you will be to guide me. Your right hand will embrace me, for you are always There. Even if I'm afraid and think to myself, there's no doubt that the darkness will swallow me and the light around me will soon be turned to night. You can see in the dark, for it is not dark to your eyes. For you, the night is just as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to your eyes, for you shaped me inside and out. You knit me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath." I will offer you my grateful heart for I am your unique creation filled with wonder and awe. And I think we know this a little better as I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have approached even the smallest details of me with excellence. Your works are wonderful and I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. You see all things. Nothing about me was hidden from you as I took shape in secret carefully crafted in the heart of the earth before I was born from its womb. You see all things. You saw me growing, changing in my mother's womb. Every detail of my life was already written in your book. You established the length of my life before I ever tasted the sweetness of it. Your thoughts and plans are treasures to me, O God. I cherish each and every one of them. How grand in scope and how many in number. If I could count each one of them, they would be more than all the grains of sand on the earth. Their number is inconceivable, and even when I wake up, I am still near to you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Our lives and the story of our life, there's already a book in heaven with our name on it that has the whole story of our life foretold. Isn't that an amazing thought? His thoughts towards us and about us and to us and for us are beyond number. Even the grains of sand and the stars in the sky, you couldn't number his plans and his thoughts for us. Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They're to give you a future and a hope. Esther 4:14 says if you Esther remain silent at this time relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place but you and your father's house will perish yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this Ephesians 2:10 in the new living translation says for we are God's masterpiece say that say i am God's masterpiece You know what a masterpiece is? It's an artist's best work of art. It's their shining piece. And he says that about you. He says, you are my masterpiece. Let that soak in for a minute. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us from long ago. And I love this, Ephesians 2.10 in the voice translation. It says, we are the product of his hand, we are heaven's poetry etched on lives, created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish the good works that God arranged long ago. Who knows what we're going to talk about today? God's plans, <laughs> his works. Acts two twenty-two through 24, this is the Apostle Paul talking, I think, to the leaders in Ephesus. And I want to take a minute, because I love how he separates there. He said, I want to finish the race and complete the task. And guess what? His task was a big task. God had a big plan for him to write three-quarters of the New Testament, to go on all these missionary journeys, to, to proclaim Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, to all generations. That was his task. But it, that wasn't his whole purpose in life. He said, I want to finish my race and complete the task. So the task is only part of the race. So we're going to think outside of the box today and kind of expand our perception of what God, God's plans are for us. And we've read all these scriptures, the word plans, the word race, the word task, the word call, the word purpose. He's designed a purpose for each and every one of us. It's unique. And he, he sculpted it unique just for each of us. He wrote it in those books a long time ago. And we each have one. And it's not just our vocation. It's not just a pulpit. It's not just being a teacher. It's not just being a factory worker. It's not just being a secretary. Your vocation, what you do to earn money is only a tiny part of that race that God has called us to do, this life that he's given us to do. And I want to read real quick, John. I've won uh, verses 29 through 31. And actually, I've, I've gotten stuck on this. Uh, Every time I get to this and I'm trying to get past it in my daily Bible reading because you know to read through the Bible every year there's a set amount that you're supposed to get through every day and every day for the last I don't know how many days I just get stuck here I can't get past it but it fits really well right here and this is where Uh, John the Baptist is baptizing and it says the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said look The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world He is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me Who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water So that he might be revealed to israel I have been doing what I was called to do. I've been baptizing with water, not to to gain a following, not to have this great big ministry, not even to help people. That's not what he said his purpose was, which it did. It did all of those things. It really did help people. But he said, I'm doing what I'm doing so that he might be revealed. And so although our vocations look different, I'm a pastor My husband's a pastor. Y'all do different things. This is our vocation. We all have one unique purpose. Well, maybe not unique purpose. We all have one thing in common in our purpose. It's to reveal him. And the title of my message today is don't count yourself out. Because a lot of us do that. Well, because I don't do what Pastor Michael does, I can't make a difference. Because I'm afraid to stand in front of people, I can't really do anything for him. Because I'm afraid to talk to people in a a Bible study, I can't make a difference. I can't reveal him. Well, yes, you can. And so what we're going to do real quick is we're going to go back to Luke chapter 1 and hop, skip, and jump. I'm not even maybe going to read all the scriptures. We're just going to talk about the cast of characters that were present at the birth of Jesus. And I love how Mike Lassella, talked about his second coming today because guess what he came a first time and there were 360 some odd prophecies about his first coming there are five times as many prophecies about his second coming than there were about his first coming he's coming again and if you even just turn on the news the signs of the signs of his coming are everywhere and so he wants us to get ready he wants us to get ready, and that means we need to get the world ready. <laughs> we need to bring as many people to him as we can. But we, in order to do that, we need to be kingdom-minded. We need to keep the focus of every day, help me reveal you in what I do. Because this isn't the only thing that reveals him. Just talking into a microphone once a week on a Sunday morning for 35 minutes is not the only way to reveal him. In fact, if you think this is the only time I ever tell anybody about him or his word, you're crazy. <laughs> I love his word, and I bring it into every conversation I can with whomever I can. But um, So we're going to look at the cast of characters, because the, the word that kept coming up in my heart was generations. And I think our generations are too separate right now. (laughs) We've separated them all out. We send the kids out of the room. We want to have an adult conversation. Which, you know, if you're talking about certain topics, maybe you should. (laughs) But our kids need to be exposed to the different generations. And so we're going to just take a quick look at the cast of characters that were here and their job in revealing Jesus to their world at that time, their job in the kingdom at that time? Well, first we have a baby. Who knows who the baby was? Jesus. (laughs) He had to come as a baby. He didn't come as a 30-year-old man to die on a cross. He had to come as a baby, grow as a man, live a sinless life to die on the cross. So he's kind of the main character, and everybody else has a supporting role. So then we see Mary, who was a teenager, and they say she was probably about 13 years old. That's how old my daughter is, 13, young. So we have a baby, we have a teenager, and then we have someone maybe late teens, early 20s. That's how old they say that Joseph was, right? And then we have kind of the middles. Those in the middle, the 20 to 30-somethings, were the shepherds. There were some Middlers in there, that 20-something, 30-something age in there. The Magi were likely in that age. And then we have some old people. We see Simeon. Who knows who Simeon is? Simeon and Anna are some of my favorite characters (laughs) in this story, they played such a necessary role. But Simeon and Anna were present in the temple when Mary and Joseph took him eight days after he was born to be circumcised and dedicated. They say Simeon was old. They say Anna was older. And they, Anna, for 64 years, did nothing but go to the temple every day and pray for the coming of the Lord. And then we have Zechariah and Elizabeth, who the Bible says were very old. So we have old, we have older, and we have very old. In fact, one translation said they were well stricken in years. How would you like to be referred to as well stricken in years? (laughs) Do we have any well strickens with us today? (laughs) But all these generations played a part All these people in their generation had a crucial part to play in the coming of Jesus, in the first coming of Jesus. They had a unique and necessary role. So I'm going to kind of take them out of order here. Of course, Jesus had to come. (laughs) The whole story was about him. He was the main character. But the Magi, the gift of the Magi, they brought frankincense, frankincense, incense, and myrrh. Right, for gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, so some of the most costly, valuable items of that day, they funded Jesus. They funded his birth. God was not a deadbeat dad. He took care of his son. (laughs) Right. He brought. He made sure that Jesus was well provided for. And who could afford that? Someone in the middle someone established, someone from another country, someone even outside of Judaism. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the... mm -hmm. God is still uniquely able to provide for the funding of the spread of the gospel. You know, the Bible says um, that a wise man counts the cost before he does something. How many of you think Jesus can afford to finish what he started? So we need to keep our faith in the fact that he can afford to finish when he started because sometimes we count ourselves out because we don't have enough money. I could never do that. I can't give. I can't bless. I don't have enough. Well, your father does, and he'll get it to you if he can get it through you. So don't count yourself out. Uh, the shepherds had a very unique role to play in this story. And you think, well, what did they actually do? They saw angels. They went and witnessed the birth of Christ. They experienced him the day that he was born. Saw all those angels in the field and went back and told everybody. There's power in the telling. They didn't go into the synagogue and tell everybody. They didn't hold up a microphone and tell everybody. They went into their world and told everybody. There's power in the telling. You know, there's more than one way to reveal God to people. The microphone is one way. Relationships are one way. Right? Are you with me? Loving people is one way. Acts of service is one way. So when the shepherds went back and told everybody about the angels, about seeing the baby and about everything, there's power in the telling and everybody that they told had an opportunity to believe on the Messiah and the first coming of Christ. They had a very powerful role to play. Mary had an important role to play, right? And he chose a teenager to give the, the responsibility and weight of raising the Son of God. I would never entrust my 13-year-old with that weight today. (laughs) But he trusted a 13-year-old to raise the Son of God. Do you see the generations here? And he needed her to be a teenager because he needed a virgin. He had to get her young because they got married young. They got married 13, 14 years old back then. So he chose Mary uniquely because she was young. And then we have Elizabeth. She was in the priestly line. So was Zechariah. They were in the priestly line. The Bible says that, that they obeyed the laws and they followed closely after the Lord. But they were well stricken in years. So he chose somebody who was what the world would say washed up and who everybody would look at and say there's no way that God could use you to do anything valuable your time is past he chose her on purpose to raise the voice that was going to prepare the way of the lord right and i love with mary and elizabeth it's not just necessarily what they did but who they raised remember We talked about that. And then we have Joseph. And I really like Joseph. There's not much written about Joseph, but this was a thought that I had about Joseph. He was 20s, late teens, early 20s. So guess what? His frontal, frontal lobe was not yet fully formed. Do we all know that your frontal lobe forms about the age... It's fully formed by the age 25. So when you wonder why your kids make those dumb decisions and do those stupid things... It's because the frontal lobe really is not fully formed. They're not circling those thoughts all the way together. They just can't yet. It's not fully formed. That's why they need parents to be the frontal lobe for them. (laughs) But he needed someone whose brain was not yet fully formed. He needed someone who was willing to take a wild chance on, yeah, God got you pregnant. Sure, he did. But he needed someone who was going to be willing to take a chance. And someone in their 30s is not always as, as willing to take a chance as someone who's 18 or 19 or 20, right? That's why the insurances charge more when you're under 25, right? <laughs> because a driver under the age of 25 is more likely to take chances. Now, all of you think back to when you were under 25 and say, yep. <laughs> How many of you uh, took a few more chances when you were under 25? Right. <laughs> you still take chances. So God chose Joseph on purpose, his age on purpose, because he was willing to take a chance. And I, the generations even all worked together within the story. Because when Mary found out she was pregnant, she didn't go to her friend's. She didn't go to someone in her very same age group. She went to her well-stricken cousin who immediately accepted and believed what she had to say and exhorted and encouraged and prophesied over her. If she had gone to her other 13-year-old friends, do you think she would have gotten the same thing? No. The generations, we need to work together. For this second coming of the Lord, we need to work together for the kingdom. And our habit, the older that you get, is to have understanding and squelch some things in the younger ones. Well, back in my day, you know, when we did it, when we did this, when we did did it better, we had more wisdom, we had more this, or we had, you know, it was different instead of encouraging the gifts and the callings that are on the inside of them and say, No, you can you can do that. Let's compass some wisdom with it. But let's not just immediately go and say, well no, we did it and we did it better. Or here, let me take that and do it better. You know, my daughter was helping us in the kitchen yesterday making me really nervous with a really big knife. (laughs) And the shredder. She's she's always loved to help me bake, but she's never really loved to help me cook. And so this is the first time, really, that I've let her have my big knives and stuff. But my mother-in-law was there, and we were all in the kitchen together, and I was loving every minute of it, but I, w- I was just trying not to do it this way, do it this way. Well, if you just did it this way, if you tried it this why don't you try it this way? Or have you ever told your kids, I've lived longer, I'm smarter than you, just do it the way I said to do it, please? <laughs> This is not what they need from us. They need to find their own way. They need to find their own space. And they will find their own space with him. And their space with him is going to look different than our space with him. They like their worship to look like a concert. They like it super dark with the fog and the lights and stuff. But if they're touching the heart of God, does it matter what it looks like? No. Abraham built altars, Isaac dug wells. They all found, you know, Jacob wrestled with God. They all found their own way to him. And if we just keep trying to put our way on them, they're never going to find their own way. We can guide, we can direct, we can be an example. But let's let them find their route to God. Amen. Amen. Let's not squelch the fire, let's feed it. And you know, the biggest way to feed that fire is in prayer. The biggest way to feed that fire is praying for them. It's praying for them. It's not just talking at them. They tune us out sometimes, right? (laughs) My son, one time, he goes, another lecture, Mom. I'm like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) Because you're not going to listen anyway. But if I go and pray and allow the Holy Spirit, you know, if we don't ever shut up, they can't hear the voice of God? Just saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it changes with every age group, right? You, have, you know, it takes 2,000 times, a young child hearing something, 2,000 times for it to become a part of their core. So when you tell them don't touch it, and they touch it, and don't touch it, and they touch it, don't touch it, and they touch it, 2,000 times for something to really get in. Frontal lobe is not fully formed, right? So anyway, but it all changes as we grow up. But this is where I want to get to today. Don't count yourself out. God has a plan for you. He has a unique call on your life. Does that mean you'll stand behind a microphone? Maybe not. Maybe not. But he has a unique path for you to walk to reveal him to this world. And we need to each step up and take our place in his plan. And there's reasons uh, we, we back away sometimes. So I just want to look and encourage you through some of these reasons. The biggest reason I think sometimes we count ourselves out is insecurities. <clears throat> Who has them? Raise your hand. Who's too insecure to raise your hand right now? <laughs> I have them. Everybody has them. Everybody deals with them. Moses had him. He's standing at a bush that's burning and not being consumed, hearing the thundering voice of God come out of the bush, saying, Moses, I want you to be my mouthpiece. And what did he say? Yes, Lord, I trust you. No. He goes, I can't do that. I stutter. I can't do that. Nobody will listen to me. I can't do that. Send someone else. Insecurities. And you know what? God was kind to him for a while. The first five or six times he said, I can't do that. And he finally just said, hey, just take your brother with you, but you're going. But sometimes we discount ourselves from being able to do anything for him because we're so unsure of ourselves. We're unsure of who we are in him. And that's one of the reasons that I read Psalm 139 this morning. I want you to take it. I want you to read it every day. I want you to memorize it. I want you to feed on it. Because the more you feed on who he says you are, the less insecurities have a place in your mind. And that's when the boldness will rise up and you'll do what he's called you to do. Then you won't be insecure if somebody's talking about you, then you won't care what they're going to say about you when you show his love or tell them about Jesus because you're going to know who you are. Don't let insecurities hold you back from revealing him to the world, whatever that looks like to you. Everybody does it different. But don't let those insecurities hold you back. You know, insecurities have been around from the dawn of time. Eve had them. When the enemy approached her, the serpent approached her in the garden, and he said, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. You're going to be just like God. And she walked away from that feeling, I'm not good enough the way that I am. I have to do something to make myself better. And she believed the lie of the insecurity I'm not good enough the way that I am because if she remembered who she was, she would have remembered that she was already made in the image and likeness of God. She already was like God. She bought into the lie of the insecurity and wrecked it for all of us. Insecurities are nasty, and we need to send them back to the pit of hell, and the way that you do that is renewing your mind with who you are in Christ. Amen. So we're not going to let insecurities hold us back anymore. We're not going to count ourselves out from being useful to God because of insecurities anymore. The next thing is age. How many of you have an age? It's not a trick question. (laughs) If you're standing on the right side of the grass, you have an age. (laughs) And people that are young think they can't be used by God because they're too young. And people that are well stricken think they can't be used by God because they feel useless and they've lost their purpose. And then people in the middle feel like they can't be used by God because, oh my goodness, how do you even do anything when you're going to track meets and dramas and practices and, and when do you sleep and, 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 and I, I, mom brain. Who has mom brain ever? <laughs> we let our age Count us out of being useful for God right where we are. And it's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy to keep you from being useful. I mean, the Bible, obviously, Mary, Jesus was a baby. He was useful to God his whole life. Mary was useful to God as a teenager. Timothy, Paul had to tell him, don't let anyone despise your youth. Age doesn't matter right? Daniel was a teenager when he was taken into captivity and was exalted even at a young age to be the head of the astrologers, the magicians, everyone in the court of the king. And then he went on to outlast nine kings in service for God, because when he was a teenager, he didn't count himself out. He let himself be used. And we already talked about the middlers, the shepherds, the magi, but the disciples were in the middle there. They didn't count themselves out because they were just stuck in the middle. The apostle Paul didn't let himself be discounted because he was middle. You are still useful. There is still something for you to do in the middle of all the all the mom brain, all the cleaning the house with toddlers in it, like brushing your teeth with Oreos. There's still usefulness for you in the kingdom, usefulness for you in the second coming. And I want to talk about the older ones because you don't get to just sit back and watch everybody else do it. Sorry, there is no retirement in being useful to the kingdom of God. You might get to retire from your vocation, but every day is a day that you get to wake up and say, how can I reveal you, Father, to somebody in this world today? Well, I can't move like I used to, and I can't walk like I used to, and I have aches, and I have this, and I'm tired, and I'm this. Well, can you talk? Well, you can pray. And if you're not praying, it's only because you don't think that prayer changes things. My 94-year-old grandma, she died when she was 94, but every day prayed for every member of her family and made a difference. Joshua. I know we hear people talk about the Joshua generation going in to take the land, but guess what? Joshua and Caleb were the oldest people to go into that promised land. think about that for a second. They were the oldest people in Israel to go in to the promised land. And when Caleb got to his mountain, he goes, I might be 80, but I feel just as young as when I was 40 and I'm going to go take that mountain. How about Noah? Noah was 601 years old when he got off that ark and started over. 601. And we don't live that long anymore. But, and the, I would call that well-stricken. <laughs> well-stricken is still, even if you're not well-stricken. You know, we have a friend who is, is a pastor and he told us that he got his, the seniors in his church together. You know, the 40 year olds and on. <laughs> and he kept going on in the conversation. And I went, okay. You need to just stop right now because we need to set something straight here. Do I look like a senior citizen? No, I don't have my AARP card yet. Please don't call me. A I can meet seniors in high school. <laughs> like what? But I think we've made it pretty clear that every age group still has usefulness to the kingdom of God, and we're going to close with this we're gonna there's other things oh do we have time oh no we don't past failures we definitely don't want our past failures to hold us back and this is a key one so we're just going to talk about one of the people i had on my list and that was peter and peter or jesus told peter you're going to deny me three times tonight and he said no way i'm ready to go with you to death and he meant it he wasn't just blowing smoke He wasn't just trying to make Jesus feel good. He meant it. I'm with you. I'm going to go to death with you. Until it got to that serious of a situation. And his flesh took over, and he ended up denying Jesus three times. But what did Jesus say to him when he said that you're going to deny me? He said, but I have prayed for you. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed so that your faith would not fail. And when you've repented, strengthen your brothers. And I find it very interesting that he didn't pray that he wouldn't fail. He didn't say, I pray that you wouldn't fail. But that when you do fail, repent and come back and strengthen your brothers. He didn't want that failure to hold Peter back from fulfilling his destiny. And there's nothing in your past that's bigger than God that can hold you back from fulfilling your destiny. If you're letting the lie of the fact that you had a failure in your past keep you from doing something for God today, then you need to cast that thought aside because it's a lie. We've all failed. All of us. Everybody. Billy Graham has failures in his past. Everybody but Jesus has a failure in his past or her past. So we're going to not let that hold us back from being useful to the kingdom, amen? Past hurts, there's all kinds of different things, but we're not going to count ourselves out. So we're going to close with Acts 2, verse 16 through 18, and this is right after the upper room, and they pour it out onto the streets, and they're like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with these people? They look drunk. And he said, we're not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon middle-aged people. I'll pour out my spirit only on the young. It's just the young that are going to get in on this last day of revival. I will pour out my spirit on ministers. Mm-mm. I will pour out my spirit on people who have never done anything wrong. Failure-free, that's who I'm going to pour my spirit out on. Is that what He said, He said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He didn't even say all Christians. He said all flesh. Oh, man, I can't wait for the prayer seminar, people. (laughs) Mark your calendars. July 7th, 8th, and 9th, we are going to pray for the rain. We're going to pray for his spirit to be poured out on all flesh. And I just need to stay right here in Generations. All flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Does that just mean grown sons and daughters? That means Mary will prophesy. Right? That means little Hayden will prophesy. That means the two-year-olds back there in VeggieTales will prophesy they're someone's sons and daughters. Do we want revival in our schools? Who do you think going to take it there? Not us. They are all flesh. Every age. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Every generation is required for the kingdom of God. And none of us get a pass for anything. We all have a unique part to play. Some of it's going to be inside of the church. Ministering to the kids. That's not something that's too little. Sometimes your greatest contribution is who you raise. And that doesn't just mean in your home. What are you imparting? What are we imparting to these kids? They're not just sitting back there and getting babysat. Marla and Christine preach the power of God. Talk to them about tongues and prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. We're not just back there babysitting. Our kids are instruments in the hand of God. The youth greeters, snacks. I don't know if we had coffee out there today, but we lost our snack people. <laughs> and if you want coffee, then maybe you need to volunteer to be the snack person. But guess what? That does something in the kingdom of God. It's putting your hand to something. You know the, the seven, you know when they, they raised up the seven men to wait tables? Those seven men also did miracles. We're too compartmentalized. Well, the miracles happen here. Well, the miracles might be happening out there when you're changing the coffee filter and somebody comes up to you and says, oh, my back, and you're like, oh, no, I'm just going to pray for you right now. Changing this coffee filter, praying in miracles. We're too compartmentalized, right? Having a part to play in the kingdom of God is not just an hour on Sunday mornings and an hour on Wednesday nights. It's revealing his son 24-7 through our lives out there and it takes every generation so we all have a part amen let's pray father we just thank you for this time around the table today to hear your word to eat the bread pray that as we go that you'll continue to break this apart you'll ignite something in our heart to do for you you'll show and reveal to each one of us how you have made us unique with a unique way to reveal your kingdom to those around us in jesus name amen well, if you'll stand, we're going to bless you. God is good, isn't he? Ha! <sighs> I love that nobody gets counted out. We all get to be a part of the kingdom.
2: Bless the mamas. Just look at me. Thank you. We needed to hear that. Again, it's just part of who we are. Nobody's exempt from doing the the work of the ministry. It's why we do what we do. That needed to come from you this morning. That was so powerful. So good. We do this on a weekly basis. We just want to bless you. And so we just ask you to hold your hands out like you're receiving a gift. And so many times we hear negative words and word curses. And so today we just want to speak a blessing over you. We bless you. Because you are children of God. We bless you to realize who you are in Christ Jesus. We bless you to understand like... Pastor Tony said today that insecurities are from the pit of hell and how we overcome those insecurities is we find out who we are in Christ Jesus and the word of God is the only place that we can find out who we are so we bless you today to find out who you are and to realize that you are more than just A, B or C you're loved by him You're loved by your Father. We bless the mothers in this room today. Thank you for the the countless hours that go beyond your job description. But we bless you, fathers, because of the same thing that you do. You may be a single father and you're filling the shoes of both mother and father. We bless you. But we bless you all again to understand just how much our Father in heaven loves us today and how much we love you. In the name of Jesus, we bless you. One last quick thing before you go. Pastor Tony and I and Pastor Dan and Marilyn, a lot of the staff, we don't get a chance to greet every person on a weekly basis. And so if you're new here, if this is your very first time you're new to Victory, we would love to shake your hand. We promise there's no counseling going on here at the altar. We just want to greet you and just get a, put a name with the face. And so if this is your first time here, we'd love to just shake your hand and hug your neck. And ladies, on the way out this morning again, we have a free gift. Um, Pastor Tony is going to show you what I think it's the other side there. Um, we, we decided we went away from chocolate. This is the first year we went away from chocolate. <gasps> Seven years of bad luck. No, we don't believe in that. But there's a uh, compact, a nice little compact with a scripture on it, just a, I am beautiful. And uh, men, you do not get one of those because you've already, they told you that you were beautiful when you got married, so you don't need to hear it again. But ladies, we want to bless you. We want to honor you. So all women, uh, not just moms, we want to give you a free gift this morning. So be blessed and take one on your way out. And uh, God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.